Hey folks, welcome back. I'm your host, Jason Coral. Whatsoever is true. And as always, we jump right into it because we're trying to maximize your time. I know life is busy and we're trying to unpack the, the scriptural, the biblical principles that we need to live by from the word of the Lord to our particulars in everyday life. And the subject today is going to be the, 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 shootings last couple of weeks. We've had a couple of issues. I mean, we had uh, a case in Atlanta uh, about a week ago where a, a young man, a 21-year-old man, I think I think both sh- killers have been 21 years old or, or thereabouts. And at any rate, this uh, one indiv- individual in, in Atlanta went to some massage parlors where he shot some some innocent people. He killed He killed several. And the same thing then happened a couple of days ago in Colorado, in Boulder, Colorado, with a, a young man going into a grocery store and and killing people. So, you know, you'll notice I'm going to refrain from using the word shooter. I think that I, I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully. I'm using murderer. Obviously, there's there are people who really hate guns and and anyone else's ability to have a firearm for self-defense. And so they, they want to choose to use that. You know, for, I think for that reason, that they're trying to demonize the, the weapon itself. I would like to bring a biblical view to this. And so, therefore, I'm not going to focus on the gun. I, I, I think that's another, it's a separate issue. And what's most important here is that in every case when we have, we have murderers like this, we have mental health issues. And, and I would like to say we have spiritual issues. So the individual Atlanta, I'm going to focus on this a bit more because the information is coming out right now on the Colorado murderer is 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 you know still forthcoming and so i don't want to speak without a little bit more information and you know that that's an easy way to to look like an idiot and to say something you shouldn't say so and especially something else relevant to this is that we know of the robbie zacharias issue with his massage parlor problems that he was using that as a front for his his uh, unfortunately for his rampant sexual sin and abuse of power and, and that has all come to light because of the investigation that, that the Ravi Zacharias Ministries had, had, had gotten into and, and shared with everybody. And so that was a, a, a really great thing that they did to be so transparent and be forthcoming. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that also really brings down a titan of the Christian apologetics uh, you know, era and the Christian apologetics field. So... And it's kind of interesting that here we go with this, is now we have, in the same area, we have this just gentleman, this 21-year-old man, who apparently was suffering from from uh, some mental health issues, some depression, and sexual addiction. He'd been tried to be treated for it before. And that's what we're, we're dealing with here, is a guy that was so ashamed and so filled with, with indignation over his own sexual failings and his lack of sexual purity that he went on a murderous rampage. So there has been ample opportunity from non-Christians to paint this as a reason why the biblical sexual ethics is wrong and flawed and we shouldn't be putting this kind of suppression on people by telling them that God expects them to be sexually pure, meaning you should only be having sex with your husband and your wife. And I know that's not a popular message. It was never a popular message. And I remember an old Jewish joke that I heard a long time ago where <clears throat> Moses came down the mountain and he had, uh, he had 20 commandments. And they said, no, 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 that's not, that's not, that's too many. 
and see if you can get him down to something less than that. And so he went back up, comes back down. He says, I have good news and bad news. The, bad, the, the good news is that I got him down to 10. The bad news is adultery is still one of them. So it's always an old joke of, of, of that nature. So take that what you will. I think mankind has always struggled. And you can see with, with non-Christian, even heresies, with Christian heresies and non-Christian religions, where this, the male sex drive is encouraged. You know, you get multiple wives, you have, you have uh, less restraint on it and less commitment to one wife and, and so forth. So it's a dangerous thing. Was it responsible for him shooting people in Atlanta, killing them? Of course not. It was not responsible for that. He was responsible for that. That was an evil thing that he did. This gentleman, the murderer, was unfortunately, uh, he had been in the active in church. And when I say, I say that unfortunately, because in this case, <clears throat> there was clearly a breakdown somewhere in there. I don't know, and I'm not going to speculate about what exactly happened. What I want to get into for how it's relevant to us, so we break out of like the news and political cycle and get to our own hearts, is that <clears throat> in our own lives, what does the scripture say? And really, what are we dealing with? Because the, the vast majority of our culture tells you that sex is wonderful, sex is, is to be celebrated any way you want, however you want, as long as it's consensual. Now, the interesting thing about that is that they, they have to use con consent. That is a moral premise. Now, remember, every time somebody says something, they're going to say something's right or wrong. And when you say something's right or wrong, that means there's a moral code undergirding that. And that moral code has to be attached to a theology, in other words, or a religion. You can't have right and wrong without a without some type of philosophical basis for it. There's just no way to do it. Or everything's arbitrary. So if you come back and say, well, consent, they have to have consent. The question is, why do they have to have consent? Obviously, you're saying there's an absolute moral standard. And of course, of course, people have to have consent. You can't, you, obviously, rape and, and things of that nature are wrong. So therefore, you can't do that. Everything else is right, but you can't do that. How do they know that? My point here is to say that they're operating from an absolute moral premise, and yet at the same time, they're saying that no absolute morality exists. So you want to catch people in contemporary life, just try to witness to them, and you don't have to beat them over the head, and excuse me, take a sip of my coffee. <clears throat> you don't want to beat them over the head. You don't want to be rude and, and obnoxious. That's never the case. The, the truth is going to be tough to hear it anyway. But that's the basis of the, the great lie of, of contemporary, especially contemporary America, which is that whatever you do you with your body sexually is fine. And that's, again, that's a right and wrong proclamation. And that has to proceed from a moral code. And a moral code has to proceed from a moral law giver. Now, if you don't understand that, let's, let's say again, it has to be transcendent or absolute or else it's not a moral law. A moral law has to apply to all people and in particular to all persons, individual persons. So it has to be personal, it has to come from a personal lawgiver. It can't just be some abstraction floating around someplace behind Neptune. It has to be a moral person. It's one of the strongest evidences you have of the Christian God of Scripture is that no one can open their mouth without saying, right or wrong, yes or no. 
this is a moral universe, and the only way there could be a moral universe, again, that applies to people, is if there's a moral lawgiver, and that is, is again, God and Jesus Christ. Every other, every other religion has a and, and false philosophy and so forth. Well, it's hemophiliac on that point. Scratch it, and it bleeds to death. Um, I'm not going to in, get into that. I want to stick on, the, the, on this issue, but it's a great thing to say, because what happens when people are saying people should be able to do whatever they want sexually, um, <clears throat> and Huxley had said a long time ago that, you know, Brave New World author, that he, he liked Darwin and Darwinism because it gave a creation narrative that allowed him to jettison the biblical creation narrative, which allowed him to jettison the biblical Christian ethics. They're fundamentally, Huxley's saying, I can, I can now go have sex with whoever I want. I'm free from the sexual restraints of Scripture. <clears throat> so, once again, we go back to every time somebody says something, they're making a, a claim of right or wrong. And that is exactly what people are doing with you should be able to do whatever you want sexually. And to repress people, tell them they can do that, is then bad for them. Well, once again, you can't apply that principle back to itself because when you're telling Christians that you can't do what Christians are doing, watch the, watch the flaw in this. They say, well, that's just the way people are born. That's the way they're made. Well, I can apply that back to me and say, well, I'm just made this way as a Christian. Uh, you call me a Christian bigot. So you're telling me I can't be a Christian bigot. That's going to make me depressed. See where we're going with this? We're going to be endlessly chasing our tail if there's not an absolute moral standard. And if it's not of the Bible, then how do we know it? The burden is the burden is, and has to be, and the person asserting a moral standard that that's transcendent, and everybody has to 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 abide by it. So my question is, well, where does that standard come from? How do you know that consent is the key? What's what's the, you're, you're throwing off all other moral restraints and moral principles, but you're zeroing in on consent. Why and where did you get that from? Let them answer the question. Obviously, the biblical ethic is that consent is absolutely necessary because. Each person is a savage image bearer of God, and God forbids stealing, God forbids murder, God forbids the abuse of weak, the weak people or weaker people, <clears throat> and certainly he, he, he condemns rape. So, you have, a, you have a logical standard for that. That's not arbitrary. Now, some, someone can come back and say, well, I don't agree with that because I don't believe in God. Then the question is, well, what do you believe in and where do you get your moral standards from? It's that simple. So, follow all this. Here comes into this into this world that we've got so many people suffering from depression, especially young people, because they're being told that there is no absolute moral standard, and they have to find the truth, and that puts an amazing amount of pressure on people. You may you may be unaware of this, and you may be burdened by it yourself. You're being told by this culture that your hap your happiness is your highest good. You can have it all. And there are no such thing, there's no such thing as an absolute. Now the question is, well, how do you know that if there's no such thing as an absolute? But, but let's zero in. Let's get down to the ground floor. This means that any young person is being told that there are no absolutes. Their happiness is their highest good. So if you're not happy, something's wrong. If you're going through a dry spirit period of your life, you're going through a dry spell. Uh, and, and again, I believe, and I've got to be careful saying this because the news is still trickling out, the Colorado murderer complaining when he was apprehended that he didn't have a girlfriend. We've seen that a time and again of these of, of these young men usually are romantically frustrated. Their, 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 their mental health, their spiritual health is damaged because they don't have things and they're being told by the culture, well, your happiness is your highest good 
and you look at the media and they should be having sex with, with beautiful people nonstop. And their life is just a nonstop, you know, beautiful sexual frenzy. And if it's not happening, then they're, you know, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be frustrated. So this, put, again, puts a lot of burden on people and it puts a lot of an unrealistic expectation. It puts on an immoral expectation of what life is like. And it puts on the burden that you have to find the truth for you. Well, how are you going to do that? I mean, really? I mean, how are you going to do that? What, what, what standard, what procedure do you use to figure that out? You know, if I'm 18, 19, 20 years old and I'm told you have to find the truth, I'm like, well, how am I going to do that? I mean, I'm going to be, I could be on Wikipedia for days, <laughs> right? So let's, let's talk about this and say how the biblical ethic is the standard and how sexual sin will rob us of our dignity. The Bible tells us to, if, you know, some people will have the gift of, of celibacy. Some people will have the gift of singleness, if you will. And if, you know, if you don't, then you should marry. That's God's provision for the sex drive, marriage. But it's not just the provision for the sex drive, like, oh, I'm just going to get married so I can have sex, and that's all there is to it. And it's just a mechanical act. It's a relationship. It's a mutual giving, not a consumption, but a mutual giving. And that's the other problem with the way sex is represented in our modern culture, is that it is simply an animalistic act. And people are taught from the, from the earliest days that that's good. You saw uh, a... Young lady Cardi B did a thing at the Grammys a couple of weeks ago that was highly pornographic in its nature, and I'm not going to get into that too much, but what I would say is this, is that what she's appealing to is, again, the consumptive mindset. Be a man of appetite. Don't be a man of character, right? She's saying, look at me and desire me, right? Don't, don't look at me and praise the Lord for me and commit to my to our mutual benefit, lifelong honor and loyalty. That's what you want because that's what you're made for. We are made for faithfulness because God is faithful. We are derivative. We are not essential. In other words, there was a day in the, in the, before, the day before I was born, the, the entire world had been going on for thousands of years without me being here. And somewhere on, on me, there's an expiration date stamp and the world will keep going long after I'm gone for however long the Lord wants it to go. I am not essential. I am a derivative. I am made by God for a relationship with God for the, to bring about the obedience of faith in Christ for the forgiveness and the forgiveness, forgiveness of my sins isn't just, oh, you know, I'm going to forgive you your sins, go sit in a corner. He's, no, 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 no. It's so much more than that. I'm, I'm called to a life of beauty and trust in the Lord and in a mutual trust and relationship building in a family with a wife and with children. And the fact that this isn't seen more often today is to the shame of Christian churches and, and, and Christian families. But once again, that's another podcast. However, if you take sex as only the thing itself, you've divorced it from the rest of that context because now your character doesn't have anything to do with it. The hookup culture is, is an abomination. It's like, well, that's, and, and, and I, I heard somebody say this not too long ago about, about that type of lifestyle saying, well, the other, the, the women that he was hooking up with knew that's all I was interested in. That, that's all. So once again, notice that he has to morally justify what he was doing. So it, this is what's going on with the culture. Now, I'm not 
trying to throw shade here at the murders and say the murders don't matter. But I'm, what I'm bringing your attention to is that this culture is in and of itself making objects of everybody. Everybody is now an ethnic group. Everybody is now a race or a sex or a class. They're not considered human beings made in the image of God. Getting rid of the guns or passing new laws or whatever it is you want to do is not, is not going to save mankind. Jesus Christ will. And to do that, we have to see each person as an image bearer of the Most High God and then reclaim and recover the, the meaning of life, which is to know the Lord and to be faithful to Him and then to be faithful to one another. And that is why it's so dangerous to just say, oh yeah, sexually, you can do whatever you feel like doing. No, you can't because there's a consequence to that because God is the ultimate standard. And God calls us to faithfulness and that faithfulness will come out sexually. So th think about think about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a little bit from, from Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot to say about this. And if you're a young man and you're listening, um, I know this is, or a young woman and you're listening, <clears throat> this is obviously Solomon speaking with his son. And Solomon had his share of sexual issues, don't, don't get me wrong, and that caused him a lot of trouble and strife in his, in his home. But th this is the general principle, and so we'll unpack this quickly. He says, so My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. So this is uh, Proverbs chapter 5. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She doesn't ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she doesn't know it. Now, this could easily, um, not the Bible is not picking on women. It's not saying all women. What it's saying is that a particular type of, of thing working out here of the adulteress, of the seductive woman who's trying to simply appeal to the sex drive. Not, isn't this woman lovely? Wouldn't I like to commit to her? Wouldn't I like to know her in the Lord as a full and, and complete, wonderful, spiritual human being? And yes, of course, sex would be part of that. Now, that what you get with pornography and you get with, with adulterous affairs, or apparently what this young man was getting and Ravi Zacharias was getting, was cheap sex. The physical act which brought shame and lies and, and, and all of that and abuse, it's, it's always there. So with the world wanting the Me Too movement, and they should want people to be free of sexual coercion and sexism and... Um, and, and, and sexual abuse or sexual uh, harassment. We should want those things. We should want to be free of those things. We should not want people to, and any women to be, uh, to be treated badly because a, a man has power over them. We're not going to get there, however, outside of applying biblical principles. And what's happening is that why the world says it wants those things, it continues to give us Cardi B. And he continues to give us lust. Lust is not going to solve the problem by saying, oh, just, just give up this, this biblical sexual morality and everything will be kosher. So, picking up in verse 7, he says, Oh, now, oh, and now, O oh sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and don't go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years be merciless, your years to the merciless. 
lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. I mean, this is, that's pretty deep. You have to think about that. Your honor, right? your labor, <clears throat> your strength. And at the end of your life, <clears throat> excuse me, you will groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I didn't listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. And then drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. What's that mean? What's he saying clearly is that love the wife or the husband of your marriage. That's what he's saying. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Don't you love the poetic way the Bible's telling you this? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. And here's, here's another one, ready? This is verse 23, chapter 5 of Proverbs. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Now, chapter 6 gets into it, chapter 7, chapter 8. I mean, Proverbs is replete with warnings against sexual sin. And as always, the biblical model is there is a, a blessing for obedience to the Lord, the blessing of peace and joy and unity and, and trust. I mean, these, when, when you look at mental illness so many times, it's, it's, people are responding to, in so many ways, a loss of trust. They, they have a, a great despair and aloneness. And a lot of the young men grow up without the unconditional love and loving discipline in the Lord that they need to become productive adults. And then, so there's, a, there's an agony and there's a, there's, a, there's a terror of the world doesn't make sense and I'm alone in it. And if, when that, then that child who doesn't have the loving discipline and the unconditional love turns into a teenager that can turn to bitterness and rage. And that is why you see so many young men, and, and you see whether, and we've seen this, this, this gentleman from, from border, um, Boulder, Colorado, is apparently a, uh, a Syrian American. And so we have, we have different races, different groups, and that's not the case. The case is the spiritual condition of mankind. We're continually flirting with meaninglessness and sexual sin. Um, I'll put those two together again. We are continually flirting with, the, with, with these, these ex, this extraordinarily toxic mix of meaninglessness and sexual sin. And it's a surprise to me that, that so many young men are getting along well as it is. Okay, so hopefully I, I think this makes sense and, and, and shows you that if you're in that position, if you're alone, if you're struggling with sexual sin, you need to pray. You need to get some, some counselors. Get some people that you're accountable with and be honest. Okay? Get yourself busy so that you're not alone with the computer or you're not whatever it is you were doing. And remember that you need to start changing your heart. It's pray that the Lord changes your heart so you see the, the, what Proverbs is just telling you. 
that it's ugliness. It is dissipation. You're going to be giving out all of your energy and your honor and your life so you can act like an animal. Instead of having a real trusting relationship with your wife, right? Or if you're a female, you know, lady, your husband. And have a real relationship. And you should be, you should be romantic together. You should be touching each other. You should be uh, supportive of one another. Have a real meaningful relationship in the Lord. You should pray together. You should, you should talk together, take walks together, all of those things. So there's real companionship. Um, and look for that. And you can have that. And that is what the Lord wants for you. So that we grow in faithfulness. We grow in sub mutual submission to the Lord together in a marriage. And there you go. And that is the Lord's provision for it. The world has mainly thrown that off. And most churches are even unaware of it. And, and one thing they're not telling these young people is how difficult the fight you're in. I'll, I'll finish with this. If you are a young person and you're listening to this, you are not in the place where I'm, I'm in my early 50s. And when I, was, when I was a young man, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I was tempted sexually, it was fairly easy to avoid pornography because to go get it, I had to go to a CD store someplace and face a clerk with the magazine. Um, you've got it at your fingertips all the time. And so it's so much easier for you to just get involved with it. And it's a, it's a Proverbs is saying, it is a force. Her feet pull you down to hell. She doesn't know it either. That's what that, the whole verse is telling you. There's a power that the devil is using through lust that is, going to, that is so destructive. And, and people are victimized by it. That's the real victimization that's going on. You know, people talk about, you know, the woke supremacists out there that oh, everybody's a victim of things. Of, oh, but you're a victim of sin. So you're in a big fight. You're not fighting, you're not fighting a, a, a flyweight amateur fighter these days. If you're struggling with sexual sin, you're in the ring with Tyson. And so I want you to know that, that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sin. And you can beat this. And, and the, the trick to it is to take it really seriously. And, and not, to be, not to be overwhelmed with this sense of, well... Um, there's, there's no hope or, you know, because I'm having this trouble, that means I'm not a Christian. Well, I will say this. No, generally it means you are in that regard because you're fighting it. And uh, like in any fight, you're going to get you're going to get banged around a little bit and you need to be ready for that. And I think the church needs to do a better job of telling its young men uh, and as, even as older men that, uh, you know, this is a serious problem. And we, we shouldn't just give it, you know, give it short thrift because it's embarrassing or people don't want to talk about it. Um, and that kind of thing. So remember, that's what the book of Proverbs says. Say in the, say in the word of the Lord, be around other Christians. You know, if you're listening to this on you know, podcast and you're not going out, you don't have Christian friends, get to a church, get to an activity where you're around Christian, especially Christian men that can help you and, and start building up from there. All right. I will sign off with that. Hopefully this has been edifying and helpful as always. I know that the world's take on what happened in Atlanta <clears throat> with the, with the, with the massage parlor murders was, you know, what it is. And uh, I just wanted to, to tell you that, that this obviously this young man, the murderer, just did a horrible, horrible thing. And, and he was in a horrible place in his life. And, and horrible things happened. And we live in a, in a sin-riddled world. And uh, we have to pray and pray to the Lord Jesus Christ has mercy upon us all uh, because there but for the grace of God go I and go you. Um, and so hopefully the word of the Lord reaches your heart. And, and you are built up in, in knowledge of the Lord through this and through this podcast, okay? Again, don't forget to check out the blog. It's over there at whatsoeveristrue.com. And I'll catch you guys next time.